My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, friends. Welcome to this podcast, unlike any other. Thank you for joining me today. We are here at Fairway Road. My par-saving pals, my birdie buddies, we did it. We're here. Welcome to the new golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by Callaway Golf. I'm Joe House. You may want to know, what is this good walk spoiled going to be all about? Let me tell you, we're covering it all, all walks of golf life, from El Tigre, Eldrick Tiger Woods, to the beautiful beverage transfusions from the PGA tour to a tour of the halfway house at East Potomac golf course. This is going to be a golf podcast. Unlike any other, we're featuring a rotating cast of ringer and Callaway friends and family. We're also including guests from the ringer and Callaway universe. You know, who likes to play golf musicians, chefs, artists, professional athletes. They're all going to come on. We're going to talk to all of them about their walk of golf life. We might talk about some golf fashion. We might talk about some golf food. We might talk about some golf friends. We might talk about some golf music. Helping me along the way, let me tell you about this cast of characters we have assembled here on Fairway Rolling. We've got Megan Schuster, who's already on the golf beat at theringer.com. Kevin Clark, a golf gambling degenerate, Chris Vernon, a life degenerate, and of course, famous TV personality covering the golf world and a lot of football, Amanda Balionis. These are just a handful of the folks that are going to be joining us here on Fairway. Roland, let me begin by giving a few shout outs, a few thank yous. First of all, big thank you to all the Twitter homies. 
We got so much input on the Twitter and Instagram, so many outstanding suggestions for the name of this podcast. There were just too many to choose from. Special shout out, though, to Shane Bacon. His podcast, The Clubhouse, was by far the number one suggestion as a name for this podcast. And I get it. My last name is House. We do Club and House. There's a lot of variations we can do with that. But look, we love Shane here at Fairway Rolling, so we're not going to use any version of Clubhouse. And by the way, we really recommend his podcast. He gets great guests, and he does a great job running the show over there. All right, let me tell you the story how we came up with Fairway Rolling. It was suggested on the Twitter. We love the suggestion, Ross Cosgrove. Ross, we're getting you a little bit of Callaway garb, some Callaway gear. It was a terrific suggestion. Here is the origin story in case you don't know. This goes all the way back to October 2015. The podfather himself, Bill Simmons, makes his stunning return on the national podcast stage, once again establishing himself as the preeminent sports podcaster with the Bill Simmons podcast. I was lucky enough to get an invite back then, and I was coming on Fridays. And in that moment, October 2015, Bill Simmons, smart fella, clever fella, he lined up the Tupac folks, the Tupac estate, and they authorized him to use the tremendous seminal Tupac work, Picture Me Rolling, kind of has a little bit of a theme. Bill was sending a little message out to all the homies. So I was a guest on Fridays during that time, and we would do football picks, and we got to calling that uh, episode Friday rolling because we were rolling along on Fridays, getting our picks in. Let me apologize. Sorry to everybody that lost money because of my terrible recommendations. But Bill and I had a great time with Friday rolling, and we have continued that on. The tradition continues whenever I'm available and he's available and it's football season. We're still hooking it up. We're giving out some Friday rolling picks, some observations, some thoughts. Hopefully everybody is fading the hell out of us. So that's what set us up with fairway rolling. And obviously there's a double meaning. I am the kind of fella, whenever I get the opportunity, I'm in the fairway, I'm rolling the ball just a little. I like, I'd like to play it the way I, I like to see it. If I can line it up. I know a lot of traditionists like to play it down. I'm rolling it in the fairways. It's a miracle when I actually hit one in the fairway. So anything to get the ball in the position, I like it. All right, before we get going with this debut episode, have to give a shout out. My homie for life, Shaq, Jeff Shackelford, the Shaq in Shackles. Shaq and I had a terrific run. Shaq taught me a ton about architecture. He taught me a ton about the history of golf. He taught me a ton about the PGA Tour. I like playing golf with the man. I like talking golf with the man. And I'm really looking forward to hooking up with the homie again either on these airwaves or some airwaves yet in the future. All right, now, my friends, we have the tee. Let's play on. And now on the tee, Megan Schuster. Oh, my birdie buddies. The ringer's own golf correspondent, a true expert with a unique and special perspective when it comes to the Twitter and the Instagram in the world of golf. This segment is Golf Social with Megan Schuster. Hi, House. How are you? Schusty, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you. I'm looking very forward to the season. The kids have really gotten going. This is mainly 
the the millennials that have embraced the Instagram and the Twitter. But you know, how about Phil Mickelson jumping on for us right in time for this new podcast last fall? Phil's on there. Tiger's always been an, a, a, an adopter and an adapter when it comes to the Twitter and the Instagram. So this segment, we're going to be drilling down into the happenings across the golf world, items that have caught your interest, Shusty. But this week, Golf Social, we're going to kick off with me asking you a question. So here it is. What is the one and only brand to receive a perfect 20 out of 20 score on the Golf Digest hot list, both driver and irons? Do you know Megan Schuster? That would be Callaway, right, House? That The answer is easy. You are absolutely right. They won with the Epic Flash Driver and the Apex Irons. I hit both of these powerful weapons last week at the PGA show down in Orlando, Florida, the 2019 PGA Merchandise Show, and it was a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, what do you got lined up for us? Well, let's kick things off starting with the Farmers Insurance Open. This tournament was fun all the way around. Torrey Pines is an amazing venue for it, as always. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. All oh, the weather was spectacular. It was. It felt like golf was back. You know what I mean, Shusty? Yeah, the lovely scenic shots of the ocean. I was just lulled. It was great. Amazing. Yes. Yes. So Justin Rose kind of unsurprisingly ran away with this one. Uh, finished 21 under par. Stellar Thursday and Friday rounds. Just an all-around kind of dominant performance. But there were a lot of other really impressive guys on the weekend from Adam Scott figuring out his whole putting situation, John Rahm just taking the course by storm. Was there anyone who really stuck out to you at Tory this weekend, House? Shusty, there was one guy that caught my eye, but I want to make a comment. Justin Rose was indeed an unsurprising winner because he was, you know, one of the favorites to win this tournament at 14 to 1 odds. Mm -hmm. And he is the number one player in the world. But holy cow, that was uh meteoric that was 21 under at Torrey Pines and you could see from the telecast and the broadcast the rough was up those guys mm -hmm. they, they they had it thick I mean kudos to, to Justin Rose yeah coming out and shooting that opening 63 it certainly felt like he was ready to run away with this thing I mean he, he set a tone but speaking of setting a tone Shusty I'm I'm, I'm it kind of I'm walking up to this very gently <laughs> I, I have to be careful here Help me with this. I might be back in love with Rory again. House, I came into this pod definitely needing some help, some Rory therapy, because I have to say I'm back in. I'm this, sucked back into the Rory vortex. He's got me after this weekend. So this is going to be the the mutual therapy, a mutual <laughs> therapy session. We try and help each other out with it. Now, he, he he played great, and this is on the heels of having played great in Hawaii, and mm -hmm. both of these are first-time experiences, first-time venues for him. He had never played in the Tournament of Champions before in Kauai, and he, he came out to Torrey Pines. It was kind of stunning that this is his first time playing Torrey Pines, considering how long he's been playing professional golf. But I think you know this, this time of year coincides with the European Tour being in the Middle East. It's not easy to get from the Middle East to Torrey Pines and back. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a logic to it, but Torrey Pines, you know, in, in sort of golf history and golf lore has a special place. If you win at Torrey, you kind of, you know, it's a, it, it is a mark of stature, a mark of accomplishment. So I'm glad to have seen him come on out and dip his toe 
in the water a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He was round about the leaderboard a couple times there, and he was kind of climbing, and I kind of got a little excited. I was very uh, intrigued that he's showing us some early form. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I just I was so stunned to see him come out and play a course that he's never you know competed in, like you said. He finished third in strokes gained off the tee, ninth in strokes gained tee to green. And like you said, that course was not playing particularly easy. Um, I was just overall really impressed. It seemed like all his all-encompassing game was great. Uh, He even cracked some jokes after his round. He seemed like he was really feeling himself, said he'd moved to San Diego if California's taxes weren't so high. I just have to say I'm back in on a confident Rory. I think this is a really exciting time for him. Well, and how about the the Graham? He threw up on the Instagram a picture of himself at uh, In and Out Burger. Now he he didn't do us the favor of actually showing the burger that he ordered, or 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 in my case, I mean, I hope it was more than one. You can't walk in and out and order only one burger, right? Um, but you know, I would have liked a little bit of a a, a picture. I don't, he doesn't need to list out all the ingredients. He, I don't need to know whether he got a double animal with jalapeno or <laughs> the thick onion. But at least give the hungry homies. I mean, you know, this is a, a house of carbs gives it a, a, a thumbs up, and Fairway Roland gives it a thumbs up. Let us see the burger. Right, that is kind of a cardinal sin of food Instagram, right? To just post a picture of a restaurant and not what you actually ordered. Yeah, I mean, I've committed that crime uh, once or twice, <laughs> but it's it's all it's you, once you make that mistake and you hear it from the the Instagram commentary, mm-hmm. you never make that mistake again. So hopefully, somebody pointed out to him. It would be nice to see what the burger looks like. Yeah, hopefully, he'll have a few more burger related stops on tour this year, and we'll get to see a bit more of what he actually puts on the burger. Oh, I'm I'm here for this. I'm here for <laughs> the Rory Burger Tour 2019. Because, I mean, you know, they they stop in some great American food cities oh, yeah. across the way. There there are great burgers to be had at, at all the venues. Um, can we sponsor yeah, th- this burger tour? Like, can we make but, this happen? Put out a plea to Rory for this? I, you, you you have my blessing. You're in charge. <laughs> of this is this is your segment. It's Golf Social. Hit Rory up and say, Dude, we, we need to see the burgers. <laughs> Rory, this is our formal plea. If you're listening, please, please show us the burgers that you're getting on tour this year. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not uh, above inviting myself. It's the thing of my, I'm, I'm most competent at when it comes to House of Carbs is inviting myself to eat with people. Uh, I think, you know, come on, I'll, I'll be happy to help you out. I'll take the picture. Perfect. We got it all set up. Well, there's another uh, beautiful story you and I compared notes on uh, before we sat down to record today. It's a story of friendship and love. <laughs> It's a it's a story of of love gone sour and yes. then a, a reuniting. Let, let's talk about it. Yes, we have to talk about our friend Patrick Reed back in the headlines after a relatively quiet spring. He'd been playing pretty well on tour this year, top twenty five finishes at the Century and the Sony Open, but I'd been lacking a little bit of the headline making Patrick Reed so far this spring. Of course, that all changed this weekend at Tory with. What should we call this incident house? Just like the hug? Is that epic enough for what this was? Well, it's definitely the hug. Some kind of a a reunited and it feels so good vibe seems right to me. I Mm -hmm. mean, this, it really was the, the, the culmination. It's the, the end of the story. And and in fact, Patrick kind of insists on it. (laughs) I mean, the, the, the juicy context is there never really was a resolution between Jordan and Patrick that we are aware of, we, the right. golf consuming public 
after the Ryder Cup and all of the fallout and 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 uh, Patrick's very public complaints about how it all went down and and his uh, his public breakup mm-hmm. with and from his compatriot Jordan Spieth, we never really had a good resolution for that. And so right. this this moment that they ended up playing in the same group on Saturday, mm-hmm. kudos to the golf gods, right? Yes, the golf gods truly. know. They Truly. just looked down and waved the wand. God bless you, golf gods. <laughs> they knew we needed this. So give me give me kind of the the frame by frame breakdown. What you saw in the hug? Yeah, this is really like my sort of Zapruder film because this was this was a lot. There was a lot going on. First of all, just before we even get into the film, one thing that I found really interesting is Patrick was you know asked about the situation in the hug after his round. And it sounds like they still haven't actually discussed what happened at the Ryder Cup, like Patrick and Jordan haven't. Because he had this quote when he was asked, and he said, literally, when we got off the plane, it was old news and we all moved on. So no, so not really, like, they hadn't really talked about it, which is just fascinating to me all around that they still haven't discussed it. But getting into the film of this hug. So just breaking it down, the body language isn't great. I'm not going to lie. It's very awkward. It starts with kind of a slow veer around from Jordan, who had just given Nux to one of the caddies. He kind of slowly turns. Reed goes in for the fist bump, but Jordan, like, awkwardly extends his arms and kind of wraps him around Patrick. And it looks like it like all went fine from there. Reed gives him kind of like a Cheshire Cat smile, and they laugh, and, you know, there's some back padding and whatever. Sort of awkward all the way around, but I think that's sort of to be expected when they haven't spoken, you know, presumably since the Ryder Cup. What do you think, House? So the, I, I feel like we were cheated in in one particular way. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen Jordan's face. Yes. I, I wish we had that angle from the other side of the tee box where we could have seen the expression on Jordan's face because it's apparent that at least w- from the visual side that we have, Patrick was surprised that Jordan was going in for the hug. Yes. My read on it, this is because I'm a glass half full kind of fella. Okay. Is that Patrick was, I mean, that Jordan was doing a, you know, come on, brothers hug. Brothers don't knock. Brothers, brothers sure. hug. Sure. And so I that's why I wanted to see the expression on his face because it could have been like, come on, Pat, we're 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 homies for life. Right. Uh, you know, no, the blood is thicker than water. Um, come on in for a hug. Yeah. And 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 we we so we don't know for sure, but it did seem like Patrick uh recognized that that Jordan had kind of upped the ante mm-hmm. in terms of how this was all going to get resolved. Jordan wasn't playing at icy. He he had the right frame of mind, the right sense of humor about it. Went in for the hug and and I thought Patrick uh, handled it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I prefer to believe that they are once again blood brothers and for all international competitions going forward, they will be Paired once again and dominate. They'll never lose again. But again, I'm glass half full. That's probably not what's going to happen. No, I I certainly hope that is the case. Watching those two play together in the 2016 Ryder Cup was such a highlight. It was so much fun. And I really do think somehow, for some reason, Jordan kind of drives Patrick to be his best playing self. Like, Patrick finished tied for 13th this weekend at minus 11, and Spieth was tied for 35th. So there is something about playing with or playing against Jordan that kind of fuels Patrick in some way. So I do hope they can kind of sort through all of these issues and end up playing together because it's just so much better when they do. Well, this is an outstanding point. When, when I woke up 
Saturday morning, I was uh, communicating with the Ringer's own Chris Vernon, mm. who is here on on Fairway Rolling. We're talking <laughs> some picks. We're talking some Tiger. And Verno and I were exchanging notes about that head-to-head matchup because that's one of the things you can put a little capital on. Yes. You can choose a side and then, and then uh, you know, root your, to your heart's content. And, and, and I won't name names, but one of us had Jordan Spieth, and we were kind of saying, you know, Jordan uh, showed some early rounds, you know, spark. Maybe Jordan Spieth is back. This is an odd year. Mm-hmm. And for whatever peculiar reason, Jordan Spieth plays better in odd years. Don't don't ask me to make sense out of that. <laughs> but, you know, I thought he was kind of poised for, for something great. And lo and behold, just that matchup dynamic you're describing, it did seem like they were uh, elevating each other's games through 15 holes on the back of an eagle and a birdie. Jordan Spieth got himself all the way up to 10 under, which at that time on Saturday had him among the first five or six names on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, 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 he jettisoned ahead of Reed. Like they were kind of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like one under, two under through most of the round. And then Jordan did one of those Jordan Spieth things where he just catches, you know, lightning in a bottle and goes off. Right. And, and I thought, oh my God, look at this. Uh, He's going to do it right in front of, and and in some respects, depending on your wager, right to Patrick <laughs> Reed. And how glorious is that? And then he followed up with a with a triple bogey and a bogey, Oof. Jordan Spieth. It all fell apart that quickly. <laughs> so he's like, oh my God, Patrick still got him. He does. He still got his number mentally. I don't know what it is, but... There is something between those two, and it's just so much fun to watch them play and compete against each other. I will say, I do hope this feud is buried. I hope they're good friends. But I do also think that Patrick Reed needs sort of an anti-person on tour. Like, he needs someone to fight with. He needs the villain or who he perceives as the villain in his story. So I'm really curious if he and Spieth have indeed, you know, patched things up. Who will become his next foe this year? Well, it, it's always Rory. It's per, it's perpetually Rory True. after the 2016 Ryder Cup. So he has his international foe in Rory, right? And his domestic foe is Spieth. And I think Patrick's the kind of fella that that um, holds on to to slights. Mm. So I, I bet he uses that fuel forever. Here's where where I'm hoping we're headed. I'm hoping this coming Thanksgiving weekend, when we have the redux of the match between mm. Phil and Tiger that we get a little bit of spice with some other participants. If Jordan and Patrick Ooh. Reed go head-to-head for that thing, they're going to have my $20 again, and I hope <laughs> they mess up the paywall again and refund that money right afterwards. Absolutely. But that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for Rory's Burger Graham 2019, and I'm here for, for, for Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, the match 2019. Yeah, sort of an undercard situation to Tiger and Phil. I would fully support that. Also would need them to be mic'd up as well. Oh, a thousand percent. I, I mean, I think those guys, there's some real spice that we might get out of them. They're not going to play it down the middle. No. You know, to- totally safe. Now, Patrick won't stand for that. Absolutely not. No, he will make sure people get their money's worth there. You know, speaking of getting their money's worth, Schusty, I think we gave all the people out there their money's worth on this very first debut edition of Golf Social. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, House. All right, well, we'll talk again next time. Sounds good. Now on the tee, Amanda Balionis. Cardmates, you know, 
There is no way that we are going to be rolling them in the fairway. We can't be fairway rolling unless we have somebody on the program with that deep, deep understanding, that insider's kind of perspective on the game of golf. On the show right now, the CBS Super Duper Star covering golf at every one of the events that CBS covers. She runs the smart cart. She's also on the sidelines for football when football is being played. Amanda Balionis, welcome to Fairway Rolling. <laughs> Are you there, First Amanda? Time. <laughs> I mean, I think when you said mega TV superstar, people were probably expecting like The Rock or something. So I think we need to come up with a better <laughs> description of you so people aren't let down. <laughs> oh, come on. Nobody's going to be let down by, by you being on the show. So let, let's, uh, let's kick this off properly. You know, it's not a coincidence that we have the first episode of Fairway Roland coming out coincident with... Uh, the first true broadcast of the season, from my perspective. This is the the golf season really gets going at Torrey Pines. All the big names come out. CBS makes its debut. You're on the screen. I And I sit back. I sit down Saturday afternoon. I say, ah, the golf season has begun. Um, <laughs> tell, tell, tell us a little bit about, like, as, as you and, and the team, the CBS team, sort of get ready. How are you guys thinking about uh, this upcoming 2019 season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, this was interesting because this was the first season. Last week was the first week where I was coming off a full football schedule. And, of course, um, you know, we had the Super Bowl this week. So it, it was really interesting to, you know, talk to Jim Nance and, and talk to a lot of our production guys who, uh, you know, the Farmers Insurance Open is a big deal, you know, on, on the schedule that it was, you know, what did we have? We had like 24 of the top 50 players in the world or something. I mean, it was one of the strongest, it was the strongest field that that tournament's ever seen. So it's, it's a really high profile event. And obviously CBS sports, we are so proud to be able uh, to bring such a strong golf schedule uh, in 2019. And that all starts last week, but learning how to make that transition from football to golf, back to football, and then back to golf has been a really fascinating uh, process. You know, just for me personally, I have a newfound respect for people that do more than one sport uh, at a time because it's really challenging to make the shifts and know that you know what you're talking about. And then on top of that, we've it feels like we've been away from golf for so long. You know, our last event before this was the first leg of the playoffs, which feels like years ago now at this point. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think for us, it's just making sure that we have all of our storylines and we know, um, you know, what to look for, who to look for. You know, when you're looking at the Taylor Gooches of the world, we didn't talk about him a whole lot, you know, last year. And he was very much a big player uh, in our story this year. And, you know, so it's it really is just, you know, the preparation and making sure that we're all caught up and looking forward to an insane Season. I mean, the schedule changes have set up our schedule in a way that after Riviera, after the Genesis Open, we have about seven weeks off, and then we come back at the Masters, and it's nine straight weeks, which is incredible. And the first what four of you know in those first four weeks, it's two of the majors of the year, 
So right. it's, um, it's going to be a really cool setup. It's going to be different for sure. Um, it, but judging by what Sunday looked like uh, yesterday, I am so excited for this season. I mean, you couldn't have asked really for a better leaderboard to stake out you know, than, what, than what we saw yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, all the storylines uh, coming together just to, to give us all a beautiful teaser of what this season might consist of. Justin Rose, the number one player in the road uh, in the world, coming out and laying it down. He's just like, yo, y'all, <laughs> I'm right here. Here I am. Come, come get me. He's playing out of his mind. Like, I'm not yeah. sure people understand how difficult Corey Pines is. Jason Day said it to me yesterday in the interview. I was trying to talk to Jason about Jason Day, right? Like, he's a two-time winner of that event. He was the reigning champion from last year, and all he wanted to talk to me about was how he could not believe how low, you know, Justin Rose was going on this course. He said to me, he goes, Amanda, 11 under usually wins this tournament. Dude is at 20 under. He wins at 21 under. That is outrageous for that golf course and how deep the rough, I mean, it was us open type rough. It was absolutely insane. I mean, he can't miss right now. So I don't know what this is going to look like, but if Justin Rose continues to play the way that he's playing, he might win. Is it weird for me to say he might win all four majors? Does that, you think that's a reasonable thing to say? (laughs) It is unreasonable and very weird of you to say that because there's one player that you forgot that is our, he's, I already penciled him in for all four majors. It was indeed the debut of one El Tigre, Eldrick Tiger Woods was on the TV screen this weekend, Amanda Balionis. And I won't, now all due respect to, uh, to Brother Rose, I can't accept any Tiger slander. At this very early stage of fairway rolling, you know we love the Tiger here. We do. And you know what? At this point, I think we should tell listeners, do not use us for betting or for fantasy golf because we have just told you either Justin Rose or Tiger Woods is going to win all four majors. <laughs> and that's probably not very accurate. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and um, it will, there will be time for to give out proper tips and, and, uh, and predictions and so forth. This is not that moment. This is not that time at uh, 10 a.m. on a Monday. But, yeah. uh, I mean, dude, Tiger, it was funny because I think, uh, listen, expectations for Tiger Woods are always going to be through the roof, no matter what, right? So I mean, I mean guilty. I, I you should of, see uh, my right hand is yeah, up. Right. Guilty. Right. And it makes sense. He's won on Torrey Pines eight times. So when you look at his history, you're like, well, of course he's going to win pretty much every time he tees it up there. but. He hasn't played for a while. And Justin Rose, when he played last week in the desert, he hadn't played for a while. And, you know, he finished T30-something. It's just knocking off the rust. For Tiger to come in to one of the most challenging courses that we see all year, and this is the place he comes to knock the rust off of, I mean, you can't really expect, you know, the guy to come out and just win immediately. However, I do think we are going to see something really special from him this year. It is, it's a whole shift. Last year, we knew he was close, but all of the narrative was around, are you healthy enough? Is this going to hold up? Can your body hold up? And he, you know, he was pretty unsure, at least in the beginning of the year. And as the year, you know, got down, he kept saying, yeah, I feel good. I'm just tired. You know, just getting back into, you know, professional athletic form. 
And this year, he's coming in, he's saying, I have zero doubt about my health and my ability to do this. Now it's just knocking off the rust and getting things going. So I think that's a really important shift for all of us to recognize that I think the health stuff is, fingers crossed, is, you know, in the rearview mirror. And now Tiger's just getting back to trying to get back to Tiger Woods golf, which I think is really the first time we can say that. Look, I, I, I last year kind of likened Tiger, you know, as like having a Lamborghini in the garage for 10 years. You pull it out. You don't immediately step on the pedal to see if you can get it up to 180 miles an hour in the first 10 minutes of it being out of the garage. So you want to drive around a little bit. You want to get your, your road legs a little bit. And I believe that was, uh, you know, exactly what Tiger did all, all last season. And in fact, st- strategy-wise last season, it looked to me like he was using the first two rounds of each tournament to basically like ensure that he could make the cut. And then it, when the weekend came is when he would really p- push down hard. I think he either led the tour or was second on the tour in, in Saturday scoring because as soon as he... Yeah, he, he led the tour. Yeah. That was unbelievable. The important thing for him was like the reps. You know, he, he, he was really cautious on Thursdays and Fridays so he could ensure that he would get four rounds in. And then once Saturday rolled around, it's like, oh, I made the cut. Now it's time to go play golf. And it was really exciting. The number of Saturdays when, you know, and he, he would he would often be like in the in the 40s, you know, place-wise. He wouldn't be at the top of the leaderboard because he was just pretty right. close to the cut line. And then you'd wake up. Mm-hmm. I come in Saturday or first part of Saturday, and I'm starting to get texts. Tiger going low. Tiger going low. And so that was yeah. exciting. But I, I love uh, the point that you made and he, the observation he shared yesterday on the broadcast, which is, you know, last year was just finding out what it was all about. Now I know, now I know what I can do. Yeah, I'm going to just go out there and, and, and try and do it. So very exciting for, for all of us in, in the tiger world. You, you mentioned something I want to follow up on. You talked about having to turn your football brain off and your golf brain on, and then turn your golf brain off and, and your football brain back on. It's, it's not too shabby that you have somebody right there as part of the team that you might uh, compare notes with. Jim Nance might be helpful with that uh, a little bit. (laughs) Have have, have you talked to him at all? Yeah. Yeah. I talked to him a lot. We, um, we both flew. I flew with him uh, here to Atlanta last night and I purposely, whether he wanted me to or not, sat directly (laughs) next to him and was like, teach me everything. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, listen, Valionis, I have my own things that I need to worry about. He don't have to worry about anything. He has Tony Romo. He has the wizard. What does is, what is Jim Nance have to do? Well, but also, Tony Romo, I think, is as good as he is because he has the best play-by-play announcer of all time to fall back I, on. I you know, know I, mean? I know, like, I know. Yeah, I know. Their, their dynamic is unreal. Like, I, I love listening to them so much. And I love that Tony is still more excited about calling the games than most people are watching them at home. Like that is not something you can fake. Like it's unbelievable. Can you imagine what he was like inside that Cowboys locker room while he was still a player? If this is how he is in the booth as an analyst, it's insane. Well, he was, he was clearly beloved. I mean, they, they, they did everything they could. His body just wouldn't uh, hold up, but it is a rare instance in this like sort of jaded media moment that that we are in all living in 
to get a breath of fresh air and to like have that wait a minute this this is just the sheer enthusiasm coupled with the insane knowledge like what what a combination that can be it yeah. helps all all of us he's like kind of reinvented how we watch a little bit which has been terrific i do want to ask you uh speaking of knocking off the rust i i i always admire you on that touch screen what is that thing it has a name what's that thing called the smart cart <laughs> <laughs> brought to us yeah. by is there a sponsor or no yeah td ameritrade <laughs> sure T- td ameritrade the smart cart now now I, you are uh officially a millennial so it yeah. ought not to surprise me that you are very very fluent that you have no issue whatsoever Going back and forth between the data, the touch screen, the interview, you you are uh, a quintessential multitasker in that respect. But ha- be <laughs> honest how 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 long did it take to get your your legs back under you with that thing? Um, you know, yeah. On Friday, I made sure to go out. It was set up in the TV compound, and yeah, I spent a couple hours with it. You know, just to again reacquaint myself with the capabilities we made some tweaks to it um you know in the off season just to you know we're always trying to get better we're always trying to bring different and new things uh you know to to the smart cart if we can for the viewers so yeah i mean we spent some time for sure just even making sure that it's working you know because it's still a computer and it's actually what it's doing is it's translating the shot link data into the smart cart and sometimes in in real time right in real time in real time so that is you know like anything else with live technology it's not always flawless you know so i think our number one job before anything else you know before we go live is just to make sure all the numbers on the screen are right you know before we you know before we pull up the scorecard before we pull up stats uh with players uh, that, that's the first thing that we're always looking at, but it helps because it helps you really familiarize yourself with the numbers uh, and those statistical categories that we talk about so much. But yeah, and that cart, I love it because that was like, it's kind of like my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't take too long to get reacquainted with it. Um, but I did spend a couple hours on Friday just getting back into it. And then, you know, I think on Saturday, Sunday, we didn't go crazy with right. you know the amount of things we were doing i think we just wanted to do it well and we wanted to do it right and then you know i think as the season progresses we will we'll try and do fancier and fancier things with it <laughs> yeah so speaking of fancier and fancier things cbs and and professional golf have a long and storied relationship cbs has been broad- broadcasting professional golf for over 30 years maybe even longer mm-hmm. than that yeah what kind of innovation? Is there anything we can expect this coming season in terms of the presentation that, that you guys have in store for, for the golf viewing public? Yeah, I actually, because you kind of text me some of the talking points. So I text yes. our head of technology and I said, am I allowed to talk about this one thing that I'm really excited about? I said, or do I have to say you have to wait and see? And he literally just texted me back and said, you got to tell them to wait and see. So what? I have- Really cool thing I was going to tell you, but now I'm not allowed to tell you because it's above my pay grade. But I promise we have some really cool technology <laughs> okay. coming up this All right. season um, that really I have never seen it done 
Um, I mean, it's definitely never been done in golf before, but I've never even seen it uh, in other sports. So yeah, they're, oh. they're all, that is what I really love about CBS, right? Is I feel like they're so, they're so great at what they do, you know, and they've been doing it, like you said, for decades on decades on decades. And I feel like they, they never just rest on their laurels. They're never just like, Hey, you know what? We are really great at this and we're just going to settle for being really great. They're always pushing to see how they can do things better, how they can do things differently. And it, it's fun. It's like really All fun right. to see. And they're not scared. You know, it's a lot like, I think the Callaway family, they have, a, it's what I love so much about being a part of these teams is that they're never scared to try something. And if it doesn't work fine, then we just don't do it again. You know what I mean? But yeah. we're never going to revolutionize something or we're never going to be able to change the perspective of something if we don't at least try. And I don't think a ton of companies have that perspective. Um, so yeah, it's, there's some cool stuff coming. I was just told I'm not allowed to talk about it. Sorry. All right. Well, that's <laughs> fine. Look, I, I, Fox and NBC have both been innovating with the tracer technology, raising the bar. And, you know, that has been a complaint in the past with CBS, not enough tracer. So I hope what we're talking about includes some, some additional tracer. My favorite, and I don't remember which broadcast does it, is the side-by-side where you see the layout of the hole. And, and you guys, CBS did this uh, did a yesterday. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, got, I got you covered. That's my favorite yeah. view is, is the one where you can see the layout of the hole and anticipate whether the ball's going to be, you know, in the fairway, not in the fairway. Is it off the planet? That's those are, those are my favorite. Yeah, and I mean, you guys saw it at Farmers too. I mean, we have we have so much technology, you know, and I think there is a balance. This is just my personal opinion. I am obviously not the producer, the director, you know, the people that really make golf, you know, how incredible it is to watch. But I, in my in my opinion. I don't think it's not, sometimes you just want to watch golf. You just want to enjoy the beautiful scenery and, you know, and the course itself. I don't think every time you need to have neon colors everywhere on the screen or, you know what I mean? I think there's, there's places and there's time for it. Um, but I, I do think sometimes it's overkill to do it on yeah. every single hole on every single shot. Like, and I think for people to, I, I don't know if that's the majority of people that would even really want that. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. But I think when you use it in specific, important instances that highlights the sport, not for it to become kind of like a crutch in the sport, I, to me, that is what technology is for. Not to, you know, it's, it's to enhance the game, not to, you know, not to become something that you expect on every single shot. I, th- I think it's a little much when that happens. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Now I'm gonna. We. I. I know that you are in Atlanta, Georgia. You're preparing for the Super Bowl. I only have a couple more quick items for you. I know you need to get get going on uh, at, at a bare minimum doing some research on where you're gonna you know help folks go go find delicious places to eat. I mean, a quick yeah quick ha- house of carbs plug, if we may. I mean, but but listen, <laughs> we have so far this 2019 season seeing this this interesting back and forth between the young guns, players in their 20s, and the old guard who is not relinquishing control yet. So we already have victories on tour from guys like Matt Kuchar and, guy, and Justin Rose is a, kind of in a, in a different category. 
And then, you know, Xander Schauffele won the very first uh, event in the season. And then Adam Long came literally out of nowhere. But Phil led that tournament uh, in the Desert Classic for quite a bit. Um, give me uh, your sense as, on this this young guns versus the old guard. Who At the end of the year, is it who, who's going to be holding the, the belt? Is it going to be the old guys or is it going to be the young guys? Oh, I think this is going to be a really close one, honestly, because like you said, Phil is obvious. Guys like Phil are still playing in, you know, they're, they're, they're still in top state. You know, they're in great golf state. The Justin Roses, the Adam Scott. I mean, those guys are now considered the veterans out here on tour. But I mean, I tried to highlight this point yesterday with Taylor Gooch, uh, right before the he Gooch! went on. I know. Is that not one of the best last names it's ever? The best. It's the <laughs> um, best. He, I said to him, I was like, you know, you were, you were really putting on some pressure there today. Like he did not flinch when he knew he was trying to hunt down number one in the world and masters champion, Adam Scott. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I wasn't nervous at all. Like he's ready to do this. And I think that is the biggest key here is these young guys are like, they are gunning for these veterans. They are not intimidated by really anyone. I think Tiger still definitely has that intimidation factor um, for a lot of these guys, especially now that he's won at the end of last year. But I think it's going to be pretty close. But if you're going to make me pick, I'm yeah. going to say the veterans are going to come yeah. out on top. One for the old yeah. school. I, I think so. I just, you know, but then you look like a Bryson DeChambeau. I guess he's considered one of the young guys, right? Like, he's going to do some big things this year. Lord have mercy. It's going to be close. It's going to be I close. I can't wait. For sure. I, 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 I don't, um, I'm not asking for a prediction of this, but somebody is going to uh, attempt a putt, a short putt, with the flagstick in, and it's going to hit the flagstick and bounce back out, and the golf world <laughs> is going to lose its mind. I hope it doesn't happen to, to Bryson. But he might be like the leading candidate. That he he's exactly like the the golf gods looking at him. He he's wonderful. I think he's he's so good for the game. I love. I can't get yeah. enough of uh, his vocabulary and his brain, his golf vocabulary. Well, really, it's just his 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 faculty with the English language. I'm sure uh, it's better yeah, than mine. Golf vocabulary because none no, of us understand what he's talking about. Right. But I, I can't wait to see what vocabulary he uses when it hits the flagstick and comes back out. Uh, <laughs> last thing, you're in Atlanta this week. Where can we find you? Where, 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 what, should we, what should we be looking out for from Amanda Balionis at the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm going to need you to send me restaurant recommendations. Because you got I it. would like to go at a House of Carb, House of Carb approved establishment. But uh, you can find me on, I mean, we have 75 hours of coverage this week leading up to the Super Bowl, which is pretty awesome. So you can find me on CBS Sports Network on doing uh, features and packages for those shows. And then also, if you follow CBS Sports on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, I'm the social media correspondent for them this oh! week. So we're going to be all around Atlanta. Um, I know this is going to shock you, but we may or may not have shoots lined up at the aquarium to play with some sea lions and seals and also the Atlanta Humane Society where we're going to like, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to, you'd probably know what we're trying to do, but like, you know, like a little bowl game with puppies involved. So I'm not allowed to call it the other (laughs) things that already exist. (laughs) Very on brand for you, Amanda Balionis. I will hit you. I I have three words for you and, and they'll make sense when I send it to you. 
lemon pepper wet. That's all I'm going to say. It'll make a lot more okay. sense when, when when you see it, but but and and when you taste it, you're going to be very very happy. Thanks for coming on the very first segment oh, of Fairway yeah. Rolling. You're 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 a regular. We, we'll check in with you. Uh, maybe Riv- Riviera. If, if if Tiger's going low, you might have to come back on. Let's do this. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> Thanks, AB. Thanks, Al. Now on the tee, Chris Vernon. All right, my par-saving pals, my birdie buddies. You know if you come to this podcast, you are going to get lots and lots and lots of Tiger Woods. If you don't like Tiger Woods, I would recommend against listening to any golf podcast. I have a man on the phone. He is my soulmate in El Tigre, the co-host of the Ringer NBA podcast, The Mismatch, and also the host of The Chris Vernon Show in Memphis, Tennessee. This is... Chris Vernon. Hey, oh, thanks for having me on, House. Hey, oh, Verno. So, look, buddy, we have a whole season in front of us of His Majesty Eldrick Tiger Woods. You are my blood brother in Tiger. We've exchanged probably 15,000 texts over the last 12 months uh, covering his, his reascendance. And now we, the season's kicked off. We were texting all weekend long. How about this? Let's give out a grade right now for how we think Tiger did this week at the Farmers Insurance Open. He knocked off the rust. Let's give him a grade. What's your grade, Chris Vernon? All right. So anything in the A class has to be reserved for top ten, top five, or winning or being in contention. So I can't. Oh, you're, I can't. You're be a in tough the grader. A. You're a tough grader. I love it. Hey, I can't be in the A, but I can't All be right. in the B. Yeah. And so I'll give him I'll give him a B, and here's why. And I'm not even going to give him a plus or minus. It's a solid B. Uh, so obviously on Friday, got me a little stressed out that he might miss the cut. You got a bunch of guys that are going 62, 63 on that north course, and he puts up a 70, which is enough to get him to the weekend. Then he doesn't really hit a run on – Saturday, but then Sunday we get this glimpse of what we saw at the end of last season, which was super promising. I mean, I think there were only two scores that were posted on Sunday that were better than his. He ends up with six birdies and a bogey. He probably even could have done a little bit better. He had the established goal going into the weekend that he wanted to get to double digits. Now we know Double digits wasn't going to be good enough to win that thing because Rose went, you know, astronomically low. That being yeah. said, he did get to 10, which is what he wanted to get to. So with his own desired goal, he got there. And then he ends up with a top 20. You know, he didn't play all of that great, but then we saw that flash on the last day um, that I think you know, it gets him up there. I am a little worried that he's going to take off you know, two weeks now before he plays again. But I thought it was very interesting for him to say after the round yesterday that this is kind of all gearing up for April and that yeah. hopefully he will be, you know, in, in apex form by the time he gets to April. So, I mean, I was happy with it. Listen, he was playing on Saturday and Sunday and his final round was awesome. So I'm down with it, but I give him a B. Okay. Well, now, now look, I, I admire your tough grading standards. And I think 
you know what? Uh, I'm rethinking the grade. I was prepared to give something that began with an A, but I, now I'm going to rethink my position on this. I'm going to take on the Verno curve uh, for grading. If you're <laughs> we're looking at excellence, then it's got to be excellent. Now, I, I, I will say I have a handful of nuggets here. I like, I'm like your boy Fizz. Take that for data. I'm going to give out some data. I got, I got some fizz data here for you. So between and, and, and overarchingly, overwhelmingly, I am lockstep in agreement with your assessment. But the things that I liked, every round he played better. He had more greens in regulation round to round. So, you know, he improved in, in that category uh, round to round. And he also, his, his, uh, Club head speed improved round to round. So both of those things tell me he was deliberate in his strategy and approach to this tournament. I think he had a goal in the first place of just making the cut. And then in the second place, you know, getting better uh, round around. He said himself each round he felt uh, that he played a little bit cleaner. And then in between rounds three and four, he improved markedly. In the uh, strokes gained metric, you're familiar with this, we, and the, we we assume our golf homies are familiar with strokes gained. This is a, a relative to the field performance metric broken down by various aspects of the golfer's game. Tee to green and putting, he made big strides in both of those categories between round three and round four. And the thing I liked, both Saturday and Sunday, he ended each of those rounds going birdie, birdie. So he finished off each round Saturday and Sunday showing us all, look, I, I'm, I'm right here. I mean, you know, go ahead and on out there. The other folks are in different stages of their preparation for this season. But I, I'm right. I'm top 20. This is my first round of the year, my first competitive round. I'm right here. So I, I, I'm happy about it. And I, I like your, your, your thought, you know, you're, you expressed a little reservation, disappointment that LT Gray is not playing for a couple of weeks. I like this idea of a deliberate schedule for him because for, for what uh, you and I care about the most, and I think this is true of certainly the golf public and, and then more importantly uh, or equally important sort of his, his legacy we want majors. We want major performance. We want outstanding performance in the majors. The funny thing about the comment you just uh, referenced, him talking about April, that that means he's 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 uh, not gearing up for the Players Championship, which is in March this year. Yeah. Well, I, I you know the only thing I mean I get the whole deliberate schedule. The only thing is I feel like he really got momentum on Sunday, and so I don't want to have to just have a reset, right, to get that sure. back. But, but the other thing that's super promising, like you were saying, getting better and better, also when the biggest concern regarding him has been health, you know, the idea that you saw at the end of the season, him closing on Saturdays and Sundays with his best round, and then that's exactly what we got in the first tournament. You know, theoretically, if, if, if you're not in, you know, tip-top shape or you're not in great shape or you're a little worried about the health, you know, Sunday should be your worst, right? You should wear down. By the time you're playing your fourth round, maybe you're not as good. But the idea that he, you know, he was fine and, in fact, kept getting stronger, you know, I, I, the longer this goes on, the more we can, you know, stop worrying about is he going to be able to hold up and is this all real? Is he going to maintain being super healthy? So what's the grade, House? What did you give him? I'm going to give him a B plus. 
I'm not going to jump uh-huh. up to A either, but I just love, it looked like he effectuated his, his strategy and he accomplished his goal and he didn't win and he didn't finish in the top 10. Excellence requires excellence. A is for excellent. He was not excellent, but I appreciate and admire that he executed his goal. B plus. Now, speaking of executing goals uh, uh, and fulfilling promise, I have some odds to discuss with you for the balance of the season. We're going to talk about Tiger in the major tournaments. I have two different uh, sets of odds here for you, and we're going to keep it pretty generic here in this in this first episode of this week in, in, in Tiger Woods. In the first place, uh, and these odds ch- changed a little bit um, from la- last week, Tiger to win a major right now, if you, if you choose yes, you get that at plus 270. No is minus 350. So just south of three to one odds that he will win a major this year if you, if you put down $100 to win $270 on, on Tiger to win a major. What do you think about that? All right, so the odds think. Right? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> right out of the box. Anytime we talk yeah. Tiger and golf odds, they're terrible. They're, they're not at all reflective of the risk that you are taking. I mean, good grief. With, with you your hard-earned to... money, with your hard-earned capital, that, 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 there is no risk. The book, the book has said you take all the risk, you dumb gambler. Yeah, well, I mean, you got four majors, and you got all the all the best guys in it. So... If the majors went, you know, whoever, if it went Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, and Dustin Johnson, like, it's not surprising to anybody. No, if no, like, nobody quit, bats an eye. And, and that's four amazing players, and, that, and, and we've left off other guys, you know, that obviously, like this week, Justin Rose looked like the best player in the world. I mean, he was, For sure. he was ridiculous. That, yeah. That, the, Putting 21 up over four days, you know, at Torrey Pines is crazy. And so I'm just saying the, the odds stink. Yeah, the odds stink. Uh, yeah, but head on a guillotine, I would, you know, if you just gave me 100 bucks, I'd put it on yes, just because of how close he came at two of them last year. And if you know that at this point he is gearing up and he is setting his schedule and that's what matters most. Right, he wants those more. So it's nice to win all the other tournaments, but there's four that should theoretically get his laser-like focus in terms of how he's setting up everything in his life is to try to win those four, uh, or and at least one of them. Um, so I would say the way he played in two of them last year, and the fact that he is, you know, planning his whole life around it i would you know if i had to and again i'm a i'm a huge fan of his and i want it so badly to happen but i mean 270 sucks but (laughs) i take it (laughs) well it was 240 last week and i was prepared to take it last week i'm with you the the other side to this you can bet you can right now do uh, you know exactly how many majors one two three or four you know, I might put ten dollars on four, hey, hey, and, then, and, and then after, hey, and then after he wins the first two, you can sell it to uh, cousin Sal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was selling to him for half price. That's exactly no, double the price. Oh my god, poor cousin Sal. So exactly one major is plus three hundred, which is better than than yes or no. And two majors is plus eighteen hundred. 
three is is plus ten thousand and four is plus twenty five thousand. I, I would do you know ten dollars on four or maybe five dollars on four, ten dollars on three, twenty dollars on two, and then you know may, maybe a reasonable investment on on him winning one major this year. Mainly because it's it feels like it's a down payment on my uh, entertainment and enjoyment of the golf season, which starts in January and runs through August. So how much would I pay? It's like you know I'm going to go to an NBA game. If I I go to a game and take my kid, and we come out of pocket uh, for tickets and and food and a shirt and everything like that. That's right. That's that's like a three hundred or four hundred dollar investment. That's just a single shot of an enjoyment. I'm talking about enjoyment over the whole season. So I might put a little and little taste on that. Something yep. stronger, right? No, it's it's why I put I put five bucks on Harold Varner the third, who I love. Uh, every week so just in case he does happen to win the tournament then i could say i was a part of it <laughs> but, <laughs> he's your ride or die because he always, always has these super long odds right yeah. so if he ever does win one it's such a huge payoff it pays for every other five dollar bet that yeah. i've ever made on the guy hb3 is your ride or die yeah i love him all right verno let's talk about the week coming up. It is the greatest show on grass, according to the folks that put this thing on. The Waste Management Classic Open. I'm not sure which it is. Uh, the, the Phoenix Open is how I know it because I'm old. We, we have a great field, not the same stellar field that we just had at Torrey Pines, but still a, a, a great field. And prominently, this is the goodbye call for Johnny Miller, he's stepping down from the broadcast tower at the completion of Saturday's round because he he uh, he wants to make a graceful exit and he doesn't want to interfere with the recognition of of whatever winner emerges on Sunday. What so I like this uh, setup quite a bit, and uh, it'll give everybody a chance to go ahead and appreciate uh, Johnny Miller. What what's your thoughts on Johnny? I probably detour. Uh, from a lot of people in the, in the sense that I I really like him. And the reason oh. I like him, yeah, I know a lot of people resent him or don't. Um, he has something to say. It is not, it's not always what I agree with. Sometimes he can come off a bit grumpy and like there's not a lot of joy in what is taking place and that can get a, a bit nerve-wracking. But generally, I like people that have something to say. One way or the other. I mean, I don't have to agree with it, right? But he has an opinion on things. And I think that, you know, I, I get it that nowadays, nowadays everybody's got an opinion on everything, right? We live in the hot take generation. But he was doing that way before it was morning shows, you know, where it was guys going back and forth. Johnny Miller's been giving hot takes for 30 years. That's you know, just because it's it's in him. That's who he is. He he's yeah, the real he's like deal. A, and and it's not manufactured. I've no. never felt like he was saying something because he's trying to be controversial or get a rise out of you. And so, therefore, the fact that he has been on broadcast and he you know you're going to irritate people by saying things that you say, you're gonna say stupid stuff. But at least the guy's always got opinion. Um, you know, I I, I I have never minded Johnny Miller, and I can certainly say that I appreciate that. I, I like people with something to say, even if I don't agree with it. 
it makes them interesting. And so he's always been interesting to me. I, it will come as no surprise. You and I are again in agreement on this. I have over the course of watching golf, much of the same reaction as you. Uh, the thing that I like about Johnny, I feel like I learned something. I feel like he, he has always endeavored to help the viewing public learn something about whatever it is that's going on with the guys down on the golf course. And when a guy's choking, and it looks like to me that he's choking, when Johnny Miller says it looks like he's choking, or you know that, that 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 looks like the nerves are getting to him, I like that kind of validation. That helps me put myself. You know, you talked about the relatability uh, in connection with with Justin Rose. I think that that's a, a a really important part of the television broadcast when when it comes to the the tour player that's sitting up there in the tower. And it's always been something that distinguished him. So I, I'm with you. I also yeah. happen to be well, a Johnny Miller fan. You know fan. this, House. With the, you know this. These guys are, you know, traveling circuits that go around city to city. There's, like a, there's a brotherhood amongst everybody involved with yeah. that PGA Tour. And they all know everything that that guy says every weekend. It's not yes. easy to be critical. It's just not. Because right. you are around these people all the time, and it leads to awkwardness. And so I think he even gets more credit than somebody that's sitting in a studio and is giving their opinion on things, because you, you very well may be on a flight to the next city sitting next to the guy that you just killed on national TV, you know? <laughs> it's a great point. It's a great point. And it, it yeah. never seemed to affect his candor along the way. Now, it may yeah. be the case because, you know, he accomplished so much uh, uh, in his own career that he had the stature that he could get away with it. Everybody respected, you know, what he did, and so uh, you know they were they were able to understand the job that he was trying to do. But you're, it's a great point, man. Now, look, let's set this thing up. We have the odds are, are once again pretty terrible here. We have John Rahm is the favorite at seven to one. Justin Thomas is at at ten to one. Hideki Matsuyama at 12 to one. Uh, and then, you know, on from there. All right, Verno. So, so who are you looking at? Tell us, tell us some names that you're looking at. Okay. So obviously you just reeled off those odds and those are not very good. I guess, you know, Matsuyama looked really good this weekend. And so in that first tournament, and so there's part of me that says, Hey, these guys are already playing really well at the beginning of the season or somebody that I, I want to look at, not somebody that's going to play really well for the first time. I always like Tony Finau because I think, you know, the breakout's going to come at some point. Like, he's going to win some tournaments where, like, I mean, where it's like multiple wins throughout the year. But the guy that won it last year is Gary Woodland. Yep. You know, he's had seven starts, and he's been in the top five and five of them. Yeah. And he and we and we know he won this thing last year. So I'm kind of surprised that he's a little farther down the list. I, I think I'd probably take a crack at him simply because I know he's been good here already, and he's obviously. I mean, if you're in the top five and uh, you know you've played seven and you've been there in five of them, he's obviously consistently been playing really, really well. So a guy that's been playing consistently well who's on a course that I know he has already had success at, I would think is worth a crack with the, with the odds being a little longer. 
Yeah, a little longer. I, I like that quite a bit. His name is staring me in the face. I had him circle, but there's another guy. And it's funny you mentioned Finau. When I looked at this this morning, Finau was available at 22 to 1. I think you and some of the birdie buddies out there might have already started scratching an itch. Finau dropped all the way down to 18 to 1. Started at 22 to 1, down to 18 to 1 just over the course of, of today. And it's only Monday. This venue really does set up for, uh, you know, it's a birdie fest kind of venue um and and long hitters have a huge advantage here there's a, a great tradition of long hitters being successful here you just we just talked about one gary woodland is fits that bill and so does jb holmes uh who's got a w here now the name that i'm taking a look at and let me tell you this is this is verno it's time for the epic flash pick of the week i use the same supercomputer with artificial intelligence that Callaway used to make its epic flash driver. I use that supercomputer. I ran 15,000 scenarios. It's a good thing I got some artificial intelligence to help because my intelligence needs all the support it can get. But this is, (laughs) this. wait till you hear the pick. Uh, I'm looking at Phil Mickelson at 28 to 1. 28 to 1. Now, he, here's the reason, and this is, uh, I'm not sure that the, the supercomputer would agree with this, because this is more based on my love of the story here. It happens to be the case, as we sit here right now, Verno, Johnny Miller and Phil Mickelson are currently tied for the most tour wins in the state of Arizona at six wins. Now, this covers both events that, are, that <laughs> used, they used to have something at, in Tucson, and then they moved over to Phoenix. But Johnny Miller, Phil Mickelson tied each tied at six wins. I just love the 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 poetry of of an OG like Phil on the weekend of Johnny Miller stepping down. Phil jumps out, grabs that, gets that that number in a, in a in a kind of weird way to honor Johnny. You know, we're sitting side by side, and OG is 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 tipping the hat to to a, an eminence in the game. You also can't sleep on the fact that the Sunday round, Verno, is Super Bowl Sunday. If you don't think that that Phil Mickelson's got some action lined up, and he'll know exactly how much exposure he has out there, you know he needs to win this tournament to cover all his angles. So my, my <laughs> the epic flash pick of the week, Phil Mickelson at twenty eight to one. That's my selection. <laughs> and I, I, well, I'll tell you this: and then what he what he does is. He throws it all on himself at twenty-eight to one. He's like, "Damn, I'm getting good odds." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're not going to do any better than that, hey, Verno. We're going to have you back. Uh, you know, we're even on weeks when when Tiger's not playing. We're having this week in, in in Tiger Woods. There's always something to talk about when it comes to Eldrick. Thanks for coming on this week, my man. My man, thank you, House. All right, my par saving pals. The first. Fairway Rollin is in the books. Thank you very much for listening to this premiere episode of the podcast. We're going to be on. We have about 26, 27 episodes through the course of the of the season, all the way up through the tour championship. We've got a wonderful array of ringer folks, a wonderful array of Callaway folks. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, golf with, with uh, some NBA folks, some food folks. We've got just a, a terrific... Uh, walk of life, walk of golf life lineup throughout the season. So stick with us. There we go, my birdie buddies. Thanks very much for listening. Talk to you soon.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.